Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJ Mike, and I'm joined as always. It's the master of receipts, NYJ Matt. Matt, the Jets are four and two. It's a hell of a weekend. Happy belated birthday, NYJ Mike. On Saturday, we got fucked up in the city. We did. Sunday, we got to go home, watch the Jets game, and it was very simple. I wanted the Jets to be competitive. I wanted it to be a game. I wanted them to win the game. If they lost the game, I would understand it. You're on the road against a a real blue blood franchise, against a Hall of Fame quarterback, and they went in there, and at every level of the game, outside of maybe some of the passing attack we'll get into, they dominated and they won the game. And now they're four and two and they extended the season where the next four games, regardless of what happened, all have playoff implications and matter. What a fucking time to be alive. Dude. That, I mean, it's the most dominant jet game in years. It's the most dominant jet game by against a great team in many, many years. It's the best defensive performance. They overcame Aaron Rodgers. They overcame some very questionable officiating. I mean, it was just, that is a fucking beatdown. They beat the shit out of them. They should have won by more. It's the most, you know, it was that, it was one of those games where the first three wins this year, the Browns game is a fluke, but you know, they executed. Um, yep. The, the Steelers come back. Definitely not the cleanest game all around. The Dolphins game, you saw a glimpse in the fourth quarter, but again, mm-hmm. it's not the Jets would have been losing if Jason Sanders makes that kick in the fourth quarter against the stupid Skylar Thompson. So this is the game you're like, whoa, the Jets are really a good team. Jets are a good team, I'm and you're convinced. right. They gave up 10 points, but three points where it's like a two-minute drill at the end of the half where you know Rodgers is going to extend plays. But the touchdown drive was as clear as day. One of the worst officiated drives. They picked up, they didn't throw the flag too on the Brees Hall late hit out of bounds. And then two times they picked up a flag against the Packers. Twice. And I keep, yep. I keep tweeting out that fake stat where the Jets have had the most flags picked up against the <laughs> opponent. And I put like per next gen stats and they're just made up, but it's very much true. But the biggest star of the game, in my opinion, is the New York Jets pass rush led by Quinn and Williams. The pocket was closing all game. Even on plays where they got, they, they might not be able to wrap them up. The secondary played lights out as well. Mosley had his best game as a Jet, I really believe. Yes. Everyone's flying around. Yeah, maybe you, other than Buffalo week one. For a half, game, yeah. For a half. You And then just the the sauce gardener, every week I go into the game, and I'm like, I understand if he regresses to the mean and plays like, okay. He's the best cornerback right now in the AFC through six weeks. And that's not a hyperbole. Look at Nania's stats. The only two guys you could argue are having better statistical years are J.C. Horn and Bradbury, both in the NFC. This guy has been a lockdown corner, and he he should be a pro bowler. And if he continues on this path, all pro is on the table. That's how good this guy is playing. Yeah, and he's the he's got some swagger, well, a lot of swagger. So, you know, he'll he's not going to get overlooked when you have these you know, Pro Bowl kind of votes. Right. But man, you brought it up. I mean, Quinn Williams, we've been waiting for years. You know, he's been good. Even this year, he's been borderline great. This game is the game we've been waiting for for four years. He was insane. Tackles for loss. You would just a handoff. Bang! Quinn Williams out of nowhere. Smashing Rodgers. Clutch sack on third down. 
block field goal, block everything, field goal. everything, he, everything that happened. You say, what the fuck was that? And I go, oh, it's Quinnen. Unbelievable performance. Rankins had a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. The whole defensive line, like you said, is, it was insane. That was the most consistent pressure we've gotten in a game. I can't remember the last time. Um, and it just really bodes well because, and then when you have these two maniacs, Gardner and DJ Reed playing like out of their minds, what are you going to do? Throw it up at them. Good luck. Sauce could have had a pick six. I mean, oh, there's just so many good things. And again, in that first half, think about all the stuff that happened that the Jets didn't did not take advantage of. The almost pick six, no one's fault. It, it did hit the floor. That's the right call. Yep. Uh, Aaron Rodgers fumbled the ball out of his hand, trying to throw the ball. Quinn, and Quinnen put his hands up because he's like, I don't want a late hit for no reason at all. Yeah. And you could tell the Jets solid talk to the team because there was a lot of times where the Jets are putting their hands up and and you know, staying away from guys. Yeah. Uh, AJ Dillon's fumble, the Jets converted to three points. The Jets missed a 53 yard field goal at the end of the first half. You brought up the Rodgers, led them down for a field goal. That wouldn't have happened if the Jets make that field goal. You know, it's a tough kick. No, because they would have kicked off. I don't think they there would have been less time. They would have started on the 25, not the 50. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you probably don't have a Packers field goal there. But whew, like to go into because to go into the half three, three was very frustrating because it felt like the Jets played their best half of football. I mean, defensively in, in like 10 years, offensively, not so much, but they were dominating the, the lines of scrimmage. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely dive into the offensive piece, but you brought up the third and one play where they ended up kicking the 53-yard field goal. That it, it's very hindsighty. And I tweeted the moment after it happened. So I should have tweeted it before to, to prove my take. And the good thing is they're making mistakes I don't agree with that don't cause losses. Like third and one, I don't think doing a, a rollout to the left with your right-handed quarterback is like twice. the best call. Again, twice twice and they, they do it against the best corner yeah. and then on fourth and one I, I almost consider going for it you're not in a dome a 53 yarder in the rain and I, I i like a little momentum switch there the kick doesn't go if he makes it i look like an idiot but i i yeah. that was the only minor coaching thing that kind of bugged me and you're right going into the half a 3-3 game i felt deflated and it's yeah. like you shouldn't feel deflated matt you're playing a good team you're in competitive but it, it's like the third quarter of miami you're like a, a little like you know, I feel like we should be a little better than we are right now. And then they come out of nowhere and play great. And and going into the offense, the offensive line took over in the second half. Oh, yeah. Run blocking lanes, Breeze Hall, even Michael Carter puts together a 30-yard run. Like, they are running the fucking football so well and effectively over the last three weeks. And it allows Zach Wilson to be a normal quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over. And his ceiling and his untapped potential, that could explode this entire offense out once he gets there. Right now, you're winning football games. Who gives a fuck how you win them? It reminds me so much of the Bills in 2020 with Josh Allen's second year. Or what is that, 2019? 2019, when the Bills went 10-6. and six. Josh Allen threw for like 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, uh, whatever, 12 picks. Um, and it was, it was very solid, you know? But and but the Bills made the playoffs. It wasn't like on his back. Uh and, and maybe we'll get that with Zach Wilson. If he blows up, then it's going to be domination. Yeah, no, 100%. And if you look at guys like Braxton Berrios, another dude, and, and now we're going to special teams a bit, but he's just a consistent, get you 10, get you 15 extra yards and you shit on a punt or a kickoff. Even the the safe or the uh, the roughing the passer call on Nathan Shepard that led to a 50-yard field or 50-yard kickoff, they do a little pooch kick. Braxton Barrios goes for 35 yards. Just a, a very, very steady guy in Barrios. 
Oh, Barrios has, has been awesome. The whole special team is insane. The, and Brady Man, another good performance. They bring in four yeah. punters after Brady Man gets banged up a little bit and he comes back and he's playing great. The 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 only quote unquote negative that you'll hear, and I don't agree with a lot of people on Jets Twitter, like, oh, Zach Wilson only, you know, he needs to pop more. Like, you won the game against Green Bay, shut up and take it. The the question that will come out of this game is the target share where you have Garrett Wilson have five targets and a catch for eight yards. Corey Davis had the big play down the sideline, only four targets. Elijah Moore, zero targets, and the tight ends get a little bit involved and, and br- brought that drive really back to life on the Uzama. I think then they did a one-yard run and then Conklin play. Those two plays strung together, a huge, huge drive for the Jets. And the, the wide receivers, it's a weird 18-pass attempt, rainy game in Lambeau. Maybe everything's not going to go perfect, but you won the football game by 17. Like, you have to just own it. No, Elijah Moore needs to shut the fuck up. What is what is he talking about? So here's it's obvious. You tweet uh, out. You NYJ Matt tweets out a like the most obvious thing. They just threw the ball eighteen times. It's not like everyone else had the other two receivers had twelve targets. They it, what, you have to have some self awareness as a as a person and look at what happened in the game and not tweet that out after you win by seventeen. Especially for this franchise, it's disgusting. And I don't think he's a malicious dude, yeah. but. Right now, go fuck yourself. The team won. That's it. I get your take. And he is a very different type of wide receiver than I think a Robbie Anderson. Like, like personality-wise. Yes. Like, Robbie yes. Anderson is very different what he did yesterday on the field. Robbie's but a scumbag. The Elijah Moore years. tweet itself, it started out really good. <laughs> or it started out okay. He said... If I say what I want to say, I'll be the selfish guy. We are winning. I'm and grateful. Then he says it. It's a huge <laughs> blessing. All I ever wanted. Bittersweet sweet for me, but I'll be solid. So I'll just stay quiet. Just know I don't understand either. So that final sentence is like, you, you can't say that. Right, right. But I, he then followed back up and was like, I love my, my dogs. We're playing great. And I, I understand the, we're winning, but I want to be the one to help us win. How can I improve myself and how can I get more involved? And, and Salah handled it perfectly today. He handled it perfectly. He said, we talked about it. He was a competitive guy. He wants to be out there, wants to be involved. And, and I think they're going to have a very schemed up play for him in like the first drive of the Denver yeah. game. And he'll have like three catches for 45 yards. And hopefully we build that and we get momentum in him being the number two guy that we really want him to be. Yes, I'm of not, we, yeah. yeah, I'm not, all, not, I'm not, I don't think it's the end of the world. There, there's no. a lot more problems like Sheldon Richardson when they're like two and nine saying, I want to get paid. When he's much like worse. been in the league for 15 games. Like that, that one pissed me off a lot more. <laughs> that was a hilarious one. But no, much worse, of course. And it's not fuck Elijah Moore in general, but that comment is insane. Especially to come out and say, I'm not going to say it and then just say it in the same tweet. It's a come wild on, dude. tweet. Yeah. I... Come on. It's right at the same day you have the biggest win in the franchise in, in nearly a decade. You know, it's very frustrating and it's just unnecessary. We don't need that shit. And I'm surprised in this locker room that that happened. I hope someone told him to go fuck himself. I hope Corey Davis said, you're an asshole. And Corey Davis, I think, has done a good job as the leader. I remember yesterday, uh, Jair Alexander's pushing around Garrett Wilson, and Corey Davis went up and shoved him, which yeah. is awesome. Screw him. Now, go talk to your young receiver and say, shut up. We just won by 17. We're 4-2. and two. We had a chance to be in first place if the Bills would have lost. We're good. And the Jets do need Elijah Moore to contribute uh, this season. So, you know, again, to your point, it's not fuck him in general, but this is ridiculous behavior and just unnecessary. But that's the one real negative. And Zach Wilson's play. Zach Wilson needs to wake up too. 
you know, and again, it, it's the same things that, that we just talked about. It's raining. It's in Lambeau. It's a tough environment. First half, there's a lot of pressure. You know, they're running the, the football really well. I'm glad he didn't try to force a lot of things. Uh, maybe in a different situation, you could have thrown a touchdown at the end of the game if they're trying to score, right. stuff like that. It's, you know, but just from the eye test, there was some weird stuff and he looked odd. Like he uh, early in the game, he ran right into, I think it was Preston Smith or, or Rashawn Gary who sacked yeah, him. It was Gary. Uh, you know, he's, he made missed a couple throws. Some of the throws to the left were, were not past the first down marker, you know, when the stuff like that. Zach's problem right now is I don't think he's reading the field well at all in the first half. I think it takes him a little bit to get into the game. I, I didn't feel comfortable with his reads. It felt like he was a bit skittish. That stuff will come. He Remember, he still has not played a full 16 games yet in his NFL career, and we're coming up to that number. So let's figure it out. I'm very comfortable. I think he just hit 16, and he got injured early in the, the Patriot game, right? So the the Wilson play for me, I'm okay with. I don't want to tweet it out because it's going to call the goal. Why are we talking about it? We won. His first half completion percentage is 52% in his career. Yeah. You have to find ways to ease this guy into games. Throw a screen pass to Elijah Moore. I don't care if it goes for one and a half yards. Get the ball out of his hand into one of the Jets' hands and then build that momentum. I think that's the biggest problem right now with the Jets. If you're going to be like, hey, we're going to go and take two out of three against the Patriots, Broncos, and... Bills. Uh, Bills. It, before the year, you're praying to get one of those. Now I'm being cocky. I'm like, give me two of those. And yeah. the two that you have to get have to be either in Denver and home against the, the Patriots because you don't expect to beat the Buffalo Bills with how well they're playing. So if you're going to win those games and win two out of three, you have to be able to start really completing those easy passes and then have Bruce Hall run for a billion yards. That's yeah. that's going to be the, the model for offense. No, Bruce Hall is insane. He's on pace for over 1,700 scrimmage yards, which is over 100 yards a game. He's on pace for 11 touchdowns, and that number is just going to go up, you know, because he's getting more touches as the year goes on. We got to uh, talk about PFF George. Oh, that's insane. But real quick on Zach yeah. Wilson, um, man, it just, you know, like you said, it's got to click. But, you know, you're six for 12 with 28 yards in the first half. It's just got to be a little better. And, and like you said, for the Jets to compete with these teams, you're going to need a little more, you know, if we go down. The Jets are losing in a game. And he's Zach Wilson's shown he could do it. He's shown he can come back. He's shown he's tough. Um, he's shown he has spunk. So I'm excited for it. And and it's nice to see him 3-0 to start the season, to start his season. Uh, PFF George, I mean, you can't make that video. You cannot make a video where you say, you're, what are you doing? Your team sucks ass. You're taking a running back. You should have drafted Malik Willis over Brees Hall. You just can't do that. It's just stupidity. He was going for the LOL Jets take. Like, I don't... If he would have said during the video, hey, look, I'm not taking a running back here. I don't think it's a premium position. I think Brees Hall has question marks. I'm not taking a running back here. Who Here's who I would have taken. And don't say Malik Willis. If that, if that take happens, we drag him a little bit and we move on. No, that's but he fun. said... He started like... he. It's like he found out that he's allowed to curse. And he's like, just started saying like, <laughs> fuck, this team's fucking... Like, he thinks he's like cool doing it. And you can tell he's like kind of shy about it. He's like, do I say it? Yeah, I'm going to say fuck right now. And then he comes out and he says, the Jets need every position on the team. Now, if not to play revisionist history, if you go back to day two of last year, the Jets are not taking a quarterback at right. 35 or 36. They're not taking a wide receiver because now they have Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, they picked at 10. You're, you're probably not maybe reaching for a tackle there. 
if you're going to get depth in the draft because you didn't take one the first or whatever, maybe like a playing at that point. Yeah, maybe whatever. You can't take edge because you just took Jermaine Johnson. Yep. Linebacker, are you sure? Maybe Nakobe Dean, but Nakobe Dean hasn't played a fucking snap since week one. Right. And then you can't take corner because you're set there. And tight maybe you just signed two tight end. You just signed two guys. Exactly. So for him to say the Jets needed everything at that point, no, the Jets could have drafted for a luxury there because that's what you do when you trade off pieces that are really good pieces. The Jets traded, and obviously Darnold didn't pan out. He was number third overall pick, and they got a second and a fourth for him. They traded Jamal Adams, their best player, probably over the past five years, and they got picked for him. When you get picks like that, you want to take impactful players, and that's what they did in taking Bruce Hall. So I'm perfectly fine with the pick at the time. Did we expect it? Probably not, because we thought Carter would pop. But did Carter ever feel like he was an 18 to 22 carry guy maybe not so pff george i keep saying if he wants to win if he wants to get out of this all he has to do is say the jets twitter is my daddy i'm wrong i'm gonna put my <laughs> hand up and and it was a bad take by me and then we would we would slowly forget about it yeah he is radio silent i keep watching the videos after he posts i'm like trying to find any clip where he talks about it radio silence so Every single Sunday, the Jets win and Brees Hall goes for 15 for 90 and a touchdown. He's getting the video back and it's going to go viral every Sunday. So <laughs> like 4,000 likes. You got it. You got to <laughs> clean it up. You got to uh, find a way to either apologize, say Jets Twitter is your daddy and then get out of it because it's Dude, never going to end for you. I called you on whatever on Sunday night and you were like, you were so serious. <laughs> you were like, what did you say? You're like, I thought you were going to say something else. You're like, look, he's got to pay for what he's done. <laughs> he's got to get dragged. <laughs> you can't do that. Oh, I hate, I hate the LOL Jets narrative. It's like, it's, so like, it's because of the logo and the name. You immediately think it's like very like political today. Like, all, like in every aspect of life, you will find this. But you have such a bias on something that when something good happens, you put your hand up and say, yeah, it was a good move, regardless of political yes. affiliation, regardless of sports team, regardless of anything. You could hate someone. If they do something good, you're like, yeah, you know what? Good move. The the NFL media has not gotten to that point yet, and now they're slowly going to get there. But PFF George is a dinosaur because he's missing everything in front of his face. And, dude, speaking of PFF, they gave Quinn Williams a 64 overall grade. How is that possible? Because he had five direct impact plays in the game. He had two sacks. He had two ridiculous tackles for loss and a blocked field goal and a forced fumble on the Rodgers play where he dropped the ball. Now, if you watch that, even if Quinn Williams slept on the field for the other however many snaps he was in the game, it should still be more than a 64. I mean, Solomon Thomas had a higher grade. Brandon Eccles played 11 <laughs> snaps and gave a touchdown and had a 10-point higher grade. And I am, I've openly said, I like PFF stats when they feed my narrative of things that i like and i boo them when they're not but i have to get out of it like i can't even this one's tough you can't support it anymore the no. the best is they tweeted from the sauce gardner thing i think after the pittsburgh game the pff account was like sauce had five targets you have one catch for eight yards locked down and put like the lock emoji and then they gave him a 54 it like, doesn't make sense. Your Twitter account tweeted out how good he was, and then your dumb little intern who never touched a football in his life, I'm not going to pretend like I played hard-nosed high school football. At least I understand something. There's probably an 18-year-old intern there that's like, oh, I have to watch every snap in a four-hour window. The fact that they get the grades out the day after is a testament that there's no way that they can accurately score because <laughs> one person's looking at Quentin Williams. And he's like, ah. Like he might have made five impact plays, but like he got blocked really hard there on that one play that led to a five yard run. 
65 grade. Go fuck yeah. yourself, PFF. Yeah, you just can't have it. I mean, there's just two, there's been a lot of examples over the years, especially this year. The sauce one was a good one. And someone else, someone had a higher grade than sauce that was ridiculous also on the Jets. Um, Even the Miami game, Zach Wilson, the highest grade of his entire career over the Buccaneers and the Titans game. Like, why is the Miami game the best game of Zach Wilson's career? Got to be some kind of eye test involved. I mean, you can't give the guy a 64 for that performance. That's a breakout performance. Quinn Williams is on the map. I'm glad Kevin Burkhart, uh, who was announcing the game, just kept shouting out Quinn Williams, which was good. Because yeah. last week, he had a really good game, and, and he had the the truck of Tyreek Hill, so then he's on Good Morning Football, and people start to talk about it a little bit more, and, and now he's getting the credit that he deserves. Um, man, yeah, Kevin, I, I think Kevin Burkhardt's all right. Yeah, I think he did a good job, and, and look. He had the one play where Corey Davis, when Corey Davis caught the bomb, was <laughs> hilarious. He goes, he's got a man. He's wide open. And then Davis made a contested catch for, you know, like 40 yards, but uh, – yeah. I uh and a little bit underthrown too on that play, but you can't you just put it get it it's get fine. a catch. Who gives a fuck? That, that was, was fine. fine. I think at the end of the day, you go into a Denver team who I keep saying I don't think Denver is as bad as they, they have to play better. But every no, time I say it, they keep playing bad. They yes. keep playing bad, and this is a Denver team that instead of having Bridgewater like the last year has a Hall of Fame quarterback, and we got embarrassed by them. So this is a, a, a get-right game. Go there and bounce back after being embarrassed last year. And given that Broncos play Monday night, a, a team that's banged up, if you look at their injury report, they had 20 guys listed this week. And a lot of them are half practice. They're going to play, like, whatever. Banged up guys on a short week, they are going to come out. And they're on the road today. I know it's not that far uh, to go to L.A., but... The, it's matching up pretty well for the Jets to really game plan the right way. There could be a banged up injury tonight, an impact alignment or a wide receiver or someone could go down for Denver tonight. And the whole game plan really can change for the Jets. And they're a three-point dog. I'd be shocked if they're not like a two or one and a half point dog going into Sunday. Because I think that, I think it's going to set up well for them. Yeah, we'll see what happens tonight. I don't know what we should root for if, if we want the Broncos to play well so they're not continuing their skid and have to break out against us or... Or continue to struggle, but I mean, this is the most confident as a Jeff fan you have to be in years and years because the, this is really the, the dominant performance that we hadn't seen, um, and it looks good, man. Like you have everything that you could want on defense. If the pass rush plays like that, and you have Reed and Gardner playing the way they are, good luck because we can match up with anybody. You put the two maniac corners on the best two receivers. You only have to rush four. They've been stopping the run. Mosley's playing out of his mind. Quincy Williams is a psychopath. The I safety's been much better. Uh, Michael Carter's playing terrific in the slot. Everything is accounted for. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's all hands on deck. Let's go. And now, you know, you get into the territory where we were talking about it before. The Jets have four wins. You probably need at least five more. There's a lot of winnable games on the schedule. There's a lot. And the fact that you beat Green Bay on the road means every single Sunday that you step on the football field until the end of the year, you have every right to be in the conversation to win that game. At Buffalo is is the measuring stick that I don't think they can win that game at this point. I have not seen enough from this team. At yeah. Buffalo last year, we had 50 total yards of offense. So including like a 48-yard catch, right? So I'm very, very nervous about the Buffalo game, but at least you have a chance to play them at home where Buffalo has not played too well at home against the Jets. Last year, they were great. 2020, they didn't score a fucking touchdown against the Jets. Like, this team is not... I'm not... 
I'm not terrified of a path where we can be competitive at home. In Buffalo is a bit scarier, but if you're telling me that there's, Matt, 11 games left and 10 of them, maybe nine of them, you have a real true shot of winning, give me five, and then we're in the hunt going into the final week of the year. Yeah, and and you know there's games like the Seahawks who are still three and three, and the Lions and the Jaguars and the Bears. You know, see, they're all 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 very winnable games, and then games that we've talked about, like the Patriots. Even though Bailey Zappi's playing out of his mind, and uh, and Miami again, who you say can Seattle clearly beat Seattle. I said they're still three and three, but it's not a rollover game. Mi- Minnesota, Bay. another team like before the year, like Minnesota. I don't, lo- I don't love at Minnesota, and now it's like, do I am I terrified of them? Am That's I am a, I you like win? And Minnesota is not the kind of thing that blows, you know, like a like a Buffalo when they're hot could just blow you out. There's Minnesota's five and one and they're playing well. And I always like Kirk Cousins. I think they have a good roster, but they're not, you know, you can play a close game and win that game. So it's very exciting. Um, man. And yeah, you could go in and, and, and play with the bills and you got to get some pressure on Allen. I don't know if the jets are at that level yet, but what a, what a pleasure of a season. And this is finally the first time the jets have had some things go their way in years. It's not a billion injuries which of course could still happen. Knock on wood. It's other teams have injuries playing us. The Jets are taking advantage of these things. It's like good football, well built, good stuff. Mike, it can't be better. You can't. It's an it's an ideal. I I see in HD. I see in high definition. I'm walking down the street. Like horrible stuff could happen at work, and I'm like, yeah, but the Jets are four and two. They beat Green Bay. Like everything oh, changes yeah. because of it. And I keep saying, winning that game makes the fir- the next four playoff impacting games and every other win you get, you add another game or two onto that where it's going to matter. Like if the yep. Jets were to be two and four right now, if you lose the next two, those games then cause the entire rest of the season to be a mute point for playoffs. It's very like if you're two and six, you're dead. So the fact that right now they're four and two makes every game here on out at least for the next month and a half, a competitive and important game to watch. Yeah, we're going to get our in-the-hunt graphics. The Jets are currently the five seed in the AFC. They currently have the third-best record. They're plus 230 to make the playoffs. They are, for the first time, and I haven't checked, but I would imagine since at least 2015, the Jets are better odds than plus 10,000 to win the Super Bowl. They're now plus 9,000. So, you know, let's go. It's time. We're here. We've arrived. We're here, and it's a ton of fun on Twitter because it's it's everyone's on the same page right now. I feel like everyone's enjoying it. Uh, you know, after the game, I get calls from my my brother's aunt, my brother's wife's aunt, like saying "Go Jets!" Like everyone, every everything's just changing right now. It's like every person I've ever met is like big win against the Packers. Um, we'll keep it going, Mike. Any final final thoughts, Coach Sala? Everyone who wanted him fired after. Good for Salah. Good for him. He needed yeah, it. He has the boys buzzing. And Olberg too. Olberg was. I. I always said I wouldn't fire Salah after this year. But if they, if it was another down year, Olberg would po- probably be the sacrificial lamb. He's bounced back in a big way the, the, the past half half month. He's been great. Much much better. Better. A good adjustment with the defensive line. Time management's been fine. Uh, and yeah, the guys are. The team is flying around. They are smashing people. Flying around. Right calls. The, the four man line is, is getting pressure. It's it's all good. It's all good things. I'm excited for Sunday. I'll be in Vegas watching the game. So hopefully I live. Um you don't know. I don't know. I could maybe not make it back. I can't die in the middle of this season though. 
Oh, that'd be so annoying. I'd be so pissed if I die this year. If 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 one of us <laughs> dies on record right now, I'll give you, you you can have my followers, like you said. Yeah, I get yours, but just like find a way to like if I were to like no, I'm gonna die, I'm just gonna assume they won the Super Bowl. Like I'm just gonna like like if I'm delusional <laughs> and on drugs, just like pretend like they won while I'm in a room. That's that's the best case scenario. This is not the yeah, this is not the year to, to pass. All right, Mike. It was great talking <laughs> to you, buddy. Great. Right, good stuff. The four and two jets. Talk to you soon, man. All right, bud.